Life Sunday. Three kings, one governor, title remains the same, text changes. Last week the, check, the text was Jeremiah 9.23. Not, let not the wealthy men and powerful men and rich men like Ramses and Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and Sennacherib, let not the wise and the powerful men boast in that which they have. Let him who boasts, whether you be as small a man as blind Bartimaeus or as mighty a man as Sennacherib, let him who boasts boast in this, that I know you, the Lord God Almighty, for you are the one who executes mercy, justice, righteousness on this earth. That was the text last week. The text this week, John 20, verse 30 and 31, to Sennacherib and Darius and Nebuchadnezzar and Ramses II, and to you and me, and to the 163 miracles that are recorded in the Bible for individuals or great crowds of five or 10,000 people. This verse in the Bible, John 20, Jesus did many other miracles, perhaps thousands of them, that are not written down in these four Gospels. But these are recorded by these men so that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and by believing have life in his name. It does not say that Jesus did many other miracles not recorded so you might look at him and say, man, what compassion he had. The miracles were not done so that you could look at him and say, man, I wish I had that power. The miracles were done for one precise purpose, that every time a miracle occurred in their life or in, you li- in your life, you might believe that miracle comes from the one who is the very Son of God. You look at the Bible from the very first miracle God ever did, the miracle of creation, and then the opening of the waters of the Red Sea, and then the angel destroying 187,000 Assyrian soldiers in the middle of one night. And then you look at the ten plagues that we looked at last week, sent into Pharaoh's presence. You look at Daniel safe in the lion's den. You look at blind Samson put between two pillars. And when he asked God for help one more time, The Bible literally says the Holy Spirit came upon him and those pillars came tumbling down. You look at the fire sent down from heaven uh, during Elijah's time on Mount Carmel, a 63-word prayer, and here comes fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice and to let the 7,000 faithful in Israel know one thing, God is still alive and God is still real. And then you look at Elijah going up to heaven in the whirlwind, and you look at manna coming down from heaven every morning for 40 years there in the wilderness. You look at the sun and the moon standing still in Gibeah when Joshua says, God, stop that sun. I need a couple of more hours of sunlight. Eighty-three recorded miracles of God in the Old Testament, another 80 in the New Testament, 35 of them done by Jesus Why the miracles? To show his compassion indeed. I wouldn't mark it wrong on your test. To show God's wisdom and power, absolutely. I would not mark it wrong on your test. But the primary reason for every miracle recorded in the Bible and the primary reason for every miracle God has ever done in your life, beginning with the greatest miracle of all, 
you being in your mother's womb. Every miracle ever done, one purpose, that you might believe that God is real, His promises are true, and Jesus Christ is His Son. Romans 1.20 Since the creation of the world, the very first miracle, the invisible qualities of God, His divine nature and eternal power, have been clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, so that men are without excuse. The miracle there is much a miracle as a baby born, a, a baby sitting in a mother's womb for nine months and then born upon this earth. Even an unbeliever standing in a room where a baby is born, even an unbeliever has to say, there has to be a God. In the Apostle Paul, Romans 1.20, he says, man, the tree just, just didn't happen, and the waters just didn't happen, and the grass just didn't happen. There had to be someone behind it. You look at your watch, did that just happen? Did the molecules in the universe come together and you got your watch? Romans 1.20, this miracle of creation done for one purpose, so that men might see God's divine nature and eternal power and say, my goodness gracious, He's real. Pharaoh last week, when Moses said, little mini-review, let El Shaddai's people go. They're not your property, Pharaoh. They're not your people, Pharaoh. They're God's people. They're his property. And when Pharaoh said, nah, Moses, ain't going to happen, why did God perform the miracle of the plagues? Is your memory better than mine? Were you awake when we covered this last week? Why did he send the plagues? the miracle of the plagues, one after another. Why did God do it? You say, well, so Pharaoh would relent and let them go. But was that the only reason? Luke 19.10, it's all wrapped up. The story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, is hated as was Matthew, if you're watching The Chosen. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, up in that tree... And Jesus, knowing that he's in the category of prostitutes and sinners, so pegged that way by the scribes and Pharisees, knowing what Zacchaeus' reputation was, he said, Luke 19.10, Son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's you, Zacchaeus. First Timothy 2.4, God desires all men to be saved. And whether that man that is going to be saved is an odious leper, or whether it's the mighty Pharaoh, or whether it's the mighty King Nebuchadnezzar, or Darius, or Sennacherib, or whether it's Nicodemus, one of the Sanhedrin, or whether it's the prostitute Rahab, or the woman at the well at Sychar, that's why God did his miracles. That's why Jesus did his miracles, so that one might believe in him. Nicodemus was good at his math. Nicodemus just didn't know the Old Testament Scriptures. Nicodemus knew his math, his spiritual math. He could put two and two together and he could come up with four. Nicodemus coming to Jesus, John chapter 3, he said, we, whoever the we is, we know that you are sent from God because... 
No one could do the 35 miracles you've done, plus a thousand others, not recorded that we have seen. No one can do these miracles unless they be from God. That was his spiritual math. How is your spiritual math? Do you put two and two together when some miracle happens in your life? In the realm of health or finances or the accident that could have taken your life because there was nothing left to your car and you walked out unharmed. And the doctor told you 15 years ago with the cancer you have, you got three months left to live. And you're still sitting here in the pew and you've had children and grandchildren. When the miracles come, how is your spiritual math? Two plus two, oh, that was good fortune. Two plus two, that bad luck. Two plus two, those things just happen, it's kind of fate. How's your spiritual math? When something happens in your life, does two plus two equal that was God? Ramses. Ancient Egypt, there were 1,400 deities they worshipped. 1,400 in temples and shrines and in people's homes. 1,400 deities. There were five central ones. Ra, the god of the sun, Osiris, and Anubis, the god of the dead, Horus, the god of light. But when uh, Ramses saw the plagues, and his advisors said to him after the third plague, this isn't magic, Ramses, this is the finger of God. Five times in ten plagues, five times, Pharaoh said, this has to be God. And he turned toward God and he said to Moses, you know, take your people out of here. Exodus 9.16, it's an incredible verse in the Bible. Absolutely incredible. You sit and say <clears throat> that Jesus came for the Israelites and the Gentiles. I want you to look at Exodus 9.16. Here's what it says. God said to Pharaoh through Moses, my goodness gracious, God said to Pharaoh, the mightiest empire on this planet, God said to Pharaoh, I want you to come to faith in me so that my name might be proclaimed throughout the empire of Egypt. Did you know that verse was in the Bible? God coming to Pharaoh and saying, I want you to come to faith in me so that my name might be proclaimed throughout your entire empire. My goodness gracious. Why were the plagues sent? So the people would be set free, that Pharaoh would finally relent? Yeah, yeah, you got, you got 50% of it. Why did the plagues come? So that Pharaoh might believe in the name of God and he would proclaim God's name throughout the entire empire. That's why the plagues came. Almost got him. His spiritual math was almost there, man. He got a 50% on his paper, but that's an F, I think. 
Five times, I believe in God, five times he relented. What was his sin? The same sin as Satan. The same sin as the twelve disciples. The sin of pride. He wanted the power. Sin of pride. And he refused to have El Shaddai in his life. I want to talk about one king fairly quickly, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar becomes famous for what occurs in Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Kiddos study it all during school, every grade. They study Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So here's Nebuchadnezzar, and he puts an idol up there in the valley of Durah. The idol is a statue of the god Nehru. And that statue is 90 feet high, and it is covered with gold. The government officials are called forth, seven different categories, and they are told when the instruments play, you bow down to this god, Nabu. And every single one of them did, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar says, what am I going to do with these guys? I really love them. They're really wise. They're a great asset to the kingdom. So what does he do? He goes to them and he says, man, I'm going to give you a second chance. You must not have heard me correctly. I'm going to give you a second chance. Bow down to the god Nabu, and your life will be spared. And they refuse to do it, and they're thrown into the fiery furnace. And it says in Daniel chapter 3, when Nebuchadnezzar looked into the fire, he said to his advisors, did we not throw three people into the furnace? And they said, indeed, three And uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, I see four people walking in the fiery furnace. And the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. And then Nebuchadnezzar calls out into the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Servants of the Most High God, has your God saved you? The same words Darius says to Daniel. And they say, our God has saved us. And he says, come forth out of the fiery furnace. And when they come forth... He sees there's no smoke on their robes. There's not a single hair that is singed. And this is what he says in verse 28. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel. I decree that any person who says anything against El Shaddai shall be put to death and their house burned. He's like Pharaoh, you know. He, he falls back into his old pattern. There are two mighty miracles that occur in his life pertaining to a dream that he's had and insanity that comes upon him. And when the two other episodes of God's miracle occur, Nebuchadnezzar says, In my nation, El Sadai, the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he shall be worshipped and he alone in this kingdom. For there is no God like Him. Why were they thrown into the fiery furnace? And you don't even consider the real reason they were thrown into the fiery furnace. So that Nebuchadnezzar like Ramses. God saying to Nebuchadnezzar, I want you to believe in me so that my name might be proclaimed throughout your entire nation. Why does God do miracles in Paul Strand's life? 
the two car accidents, near car accidents that could have taken me off the planet. Why does God do the miracles He does in my life and yours? Number one, to save us. You're here 15 years after the doctors say you got three months to live. Raquel, I know you're listening down there in Atlanta, Georgia. How many years did you try to become pregnant? And finally, after year seven, eight, or nine, you became pregnant. Kent and Raquel, high down there. Why did God allow you to be pregnant? Because He wanted Solomon in your life. But why else did you become pregnant? So that you might believe, because that's what came out of your mouth. Pastor, I can hardly wait to tell you what God has done. I'm pregnant. Why does God do the miracles in your life? For your benefit. For your benefit, for your health, for your joy, for your peace. And if He doesn't do the miracle, my son John safe in heaven 15 years. The miracle I prayed for didn't happen. But He brings other miracles as a result. Does He not? Why the miracles? So you might be blessed. Does it stay with you? Let me tell you the truth about this. I don't mean to embarrass anybody. Because I don't remember who you are, okay? There are so many times people have said to me, Pastor, I'm going to tell you what happened to me, but you're the only one I can tell. Because no one else is going to believe me or they're going to think it's funny or strange. But I can tell you about what happened because you'll understand. And they tell me about some miracle that's happened in their life. And I just, I just say, oh my goodness gracious, you need to tell that to other people. And that's what I say to them. You need to tell that to other people. You can't keep that to yourself and you just can't tell your pastor or your priest as if it's some secret sin. You need to tell it to other people. Woman at Sychar as well. What happens when the miracle happens and she drinks the living water and she comes to the faith? What does she do? She runs back into the village. The historians say there were 200 people in Sychar at that time. She says, come on out and see. The Messiah, he by the well of Jacob, he told me everything that's happened in my life. Simon Peter, where did he come to the faith? Who did he come to the faith? Andrew. Andrew sees Jesus. Does Andrew keep it to himself? No. He runs to his big brother who gets the praise over everything that happens. Andrew runs to his big brother. I've seen the Messiah. Come. I've often thought that if Jesus had appeared to Simon Peter, would Simon Peter have gone to Andrew? I don't think so. But Andrew will go to Simon Peter. The miracles done in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar says, my entire empire, five million people will worship this God because of three miracles I have seen. King Darius, Babylon, Daniel, lion's den, has your God saved you? Yeah, he did, man. He sent an angel, closed the mouth of the lions. What does Darius do after that? He does the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar did. He said, from this time forth, everyone in my nation shall worship God. Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, when Jonah goes and he preaches and the people repent, what does Sennacherib says? My entire empire shall worship the God 
of Jonah, El Shaddai. I never realized it. All those things that happened to those kings were done for one purpose, that they might believe and proclaim it to everybody in the empire. I'm not where you're at. I'll never be on the metro train that you take to work. I'll never be at your place of employment. I'll never be in the gym where you're at. I'll never be in the bridge club uh, that you play at every Tuesday night. I'll never be in your spaces. But God is with you in your space. And whether it's high school or elementary school or college or our lives, He does His miracles not just so you might be blessed, but you do what everyone in the Bible did. You proclaim the reality of God, His presence, His power, His love to anyone that He puts across your path. It is Life Sunday. Psalm 139, listen carefully. David wrote, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made by you, O God. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was in my mother's womb. I was woven together in her womb, and your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book of life before one of them ever came to be. When God said, let there be light, what was occurring on this earth, creation. When a baby is conceived, when the sperm and egg come together and that baby is in a mother's womb, what is happening? The same act of creation. God says, let there be light, and there was creation. God says, let there be light, and there is a baby in a mother's womb. In my ministry, there are two moments of absolute silence. Number one is when a baby is born. If you are in that room before that baby starts crying for the first time, there is absolute silence. Why? Because you are standing in the presence of God, and you know it. The other time absolute silence comes is when someone dies. When someone dies, you literally sit there and say, Oh my goodness, God's kingdom, God has come for this person. There is absolute silence. Jim Harbaugh, the coach of the University of Michigan, he said this in an interview on ESPN. I tell my football players and my staff members the same thing that I tell my kids. I encourage them if they have a pregnancy that wasn't planned to go through with it, to go through with it. Let that unborn child be born. And if at that time you don't feel like you can care for it, you don't have the means or the wherewithal, 
Then my wife Sarah and I will take that baby into our own home. Any player on the team, any female staff member, any staff member, anybody in our family or extended family that doesn't feel like they can take care of that baby, you give it to the Harbaugh's. We've got a great big house, and we'll raise that gift from God. If God is in your life through miracles or any other means, you just don't keep it to yourself and share it with your priest. Wherever he puts you, you proclaim what Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, and Sennacherib proclaimed. He is God. And His promises are true. Heavenly Father, take the power of Your Word. Place it deep into our hearts. Protect the unborn. Protect the elderly. Protect each of us, Lord. And may Your divine presence be the driving force in our life. Our purposes, our decisions and how we look at circumstances that come to us. Keep us close to you, Lord, in our Savior's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.